What a wonderful opportunity we have to think together this morning about the stubborn love of God. There is for some of us an obscure passage of Scripture, but a very important passage of Scripture uh, in the First Testament, in the Old Testament, the book of Hosea, the 11th chapter, the uh, uh, first nine verses. And it's a passage of Scripture that talks about God's love as being very persistent, very consistent, and it all flows together into an opportunity for us to think about how God's love suffers, and in the Lord's Supper experience that we'll share this morning, we'll be able to together sort of uh, uh, just revel in the wonder and the glory that God never stops caring and God never gives up on us. I want to read the first nine verses of the prophet Hosea chapter 11, and I want you to pick up this theme of God's stubborn, persistent love And let's just think together about that. I'd invite you to stand as I read this scripture aloud. When Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt I called my son. The more I called them, the more they went from me. They kept sacrificing to the Baals and offering incense to the idols. Yet it was I who taught Ephraim to walk. I took them up in my arms, but they did not know that I healed them. I led them with cords of human kindness, with bands of love. I was to them like those who lift infants to their cheeks. I bent down to them and fed them. They shall return to the land of Egypt, and Assyria shall be their king, because they have refused to return to me. The sword rages in their cities. It consumes their oracle priests and devours because of their schemes." My people are bent on turning away from me. To the Most High they call, but he does not raise them up at all. How can I give you up, Ephraim? How can I hand you over, O Israel? How can I make you like Adma? How can I treat you like Zeboim? My heart recoils within me. My compassion grows warm and tender. I will not execute my fierce anger. I will not again destroy Ephraim, for I am God and no mortal, the Holy One in your midst, and I will not come in wrath. May God bless this word to our hearts. You may be seated. Well, I have some free advice to offer uh, us this morning. This is no extra charge. This just comes with the package of showing up this morning. Uh, And it's advice, advice concerning parenting. If you're thinking about being a parent, I would like to warn you about a few things. First of all, do not plan to be a parent unless you plan to take lots of vitamins. You need to be be really rested and strong. Secondly, you need to not plan to be a parent unless you are prayed up and plan to stay prayed up. And the third one would be, don't plan on being a parent unless you plan on getting your heart stomped on a lot. And the fourth one is, Don't be a parent unless you plan on being blessed beyond description. And oh yeah, if you're already a parent and you didn't know about those four warning signs, uh, with children there is no return policy. I checked. I know there's no return policy. That's how I know that. With a very simple, powerful, declarative sentence, Hosea states the position of God. When Israel was a child, I loved him. It's stark, it's bare, there are no frills, 
It is the simple eternal truth. When Israel was a child, I loved him. God loves us. Hosea is trying to describe for us what God's love is like for us. So he draws the analogy of a parent's love for a child. See, earlier in Hosea, he's used the analogy of husband and wife. He's talked about adultery and unfaithfulness and how Israel has failed God as an adulterous spouse. But now he switches images and he begins to talk about us as children and God as parent. When Israel was a child, I loved him. We can all relate to that, that understanding. And yet, there's something in a child. It was in us when we were little. It was in you. Maybe it still is. There's something about it when a child senses the parent coming after her or after him, they just keep on going. Because the parent says no, the child wants to say yes, and they just keep on going to step over that line. I don't know what it is inside of us that makes us do that, but that's precisely what Hosea said in verse 2. He said, the more I call to them, he's speaking for God, the more I call to them, the more they went from me. God says, the more I came after them, the more that seemed to push them away. And it's a mystery of life that we, that we behave that fashion, but we do. When Janet and I were first married, uh, I started pastoring a, a church, the Calhoun Baptist Church in Calhoun, Missouri. Uh, you know where Calhoun is, don't you? It's a suburb of Windsor, Missouri. You know, you know those big cities in west-central Missouri. Uh, while we were there, our oldest child was born. And I remember when Tamara was still an infant, there was a lady in the church named Lillian. She was sort of a, a grandmother figure who helped us uh, with uh, Tamara when we had to be away. Her name was Lillian, and she said, Pastor, when they're little, they tromp on your feet. When they get older, they tromp on your heart. And she was right, wasn't she? There's something about parenting that is very costly and at times very painful because the love is so real. That must be the image that Hosea is striking because in verse 3 he says, Yet it was I who taught Ephraim to walk, I took them up in my arms and so forth. It's as if God is saying, I taught, I taught Israel to walk, and when I taught her to walk, she walked away from me. I taught her to walk, and when she learns to walk, she doesn't walk toward me, she walks away from me. Real life, we can relate to this. Bob Goff has written a book Love, entitled Love Does. And in the book he talks about this image of walking and how it's a very apt and appropriate illustration of following Jesus and being a disciple. And he reminds us that none of us as children mastered walking in one day. It wasn't a one-and-done deal. Hey, I think I'll walk today and then stand up and walk and run. Walking is a process of standing up and following da falling down, taking a few steps and then falling against the coffee table and bumping your head. It's getting up and walking some more and then stumbling and then crawling, and it's over a process of time. In fact, almost everything a child learns to do, the child learns to do by failing at it often. So think about that as a working image of what it means to follow Jesus. Instead of beating ourselves up for our failures, to understand that our God specializes in failures, and our God understands and expects our failures, and it's through our failures 
that we learn to trust God. It's through our failures that we learn to be partners with God. And it's through our failures and stumbling that we learn just how patient God is, how absolutely patient He is and loving and caring. And if we're walking away from Him or we're stumbling near Him, God specializes in failure and stumbling. What I'm talking about really is grace. You've heard that word. That's unmerited favor. That's, that's not something earned. It's the love of God that is free. Let's be honest. Most of us struggle with the concept of grace. We want to earn God's love. We, want to, we don't want to be beholden to Him. We want to do something that would put us in God's favor, that would get us into heaven, that would get God to love us, that we could say we had accomplished on our own so that we could feel proud about it and we wouldn't feel obligated to God. But it cannot happen. It's all grace. We have such a problem with grace because we have trouble believing that God really loves us as we are. We have trouble accepting that there's nothing we can do that could get God to stop loving us. We have so much trouble accepting God's unconditional love, no strings attached, no ifs, no maybes, no preconditions, that God simply will never, ever stop loving us. We have so much trouble with that. We go round and round and round in our own hearts over that issue. A perfect example of that is a, is a popular misconception. I would venture in this sanctuary this morning, if I did a pop quiz, most people would say that the first testament of Scripture, the Old Testament, emphasizes God's wrath, while the New Testament emphasizes God's love. That's a very popular misconception, but it's not true. Both Testaments speak of God's love and God's wrath, but it's His love that wins. And this Old Testament, this Hosea passage of Scripture, is a perfect example of how the First Testament is, is absolutely flowing over with references to God's steady, stubborn care how God will not be put off, how God will not stop coming after us, God will not stop loving us. In fact, you could honestly say that this passage of Scripture in, in Hosea 11 is very likely a, sort of a prequel or a, a, a preparation for the Luke 15 story in the New Testament about the prodigal son, the son who went away, who had all the answers, who took his money and went into a far country. But it's... It's the stubborn love of the Father that overwhelms him. See, it's the very same theme, not two different themes, the very same theme, very same God. Because God's love is stubborn, and God's love never quits. This November, uh, we're going to be celebrating and recognizing the 50th anniversary of the death of C.S. Lewis, the uh, famous British uh, author and theologian and, and uh, philosopher, Christian writer, uh, he wrote Christian fantasy. He wrote all kinds of things. He was a, he was a literary critic, a, a brilliant man. He died in November of 1963. And so even though you think there are a lot of quotes and stories about and by C.S. Lewis now, as we get closer to November, you're going to see even more on the 50th anniversary of his death. Uh, he wrote a very brief little book, uh, autobiographical, about his conversion to Christ entitled Surprised by Joy. 
And in that brief book, he describes how he came out of sort of an atheism slash agnosticism slash theism into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. He says that he actually felt like he was uh, overwhelmed by God on a double-decker bus in England. You know, those double-decker buses that are in Great Britain where, and he said he was on the top level and he felt like God had just overwhelmed him. He'd been running from God and hiding from God. He'd been shutting God out and shutting life out. And C.S. Lewis describes it as wearing armor and not letting anything in and not letting anything out. And he said, I just walked around with that armor on, that body armor on. And then he said, one day it dawned on me, I have a choice. I do not have to live this way. And he said, I unbuckled the armor. And he said, God began to work. And he says, he spent many sleepless nights in his room as he wrestled with God and listened to God. And these are his words. He said, I felt the steady, unrelenting approach of God. The steady, unrelenting approach of God. And he said, one night I gave my life to Christ and God overwhelmed me. The language of a persistent, consistent God, a God who is stubborn, a God who will not stop, a God who will not give up, but keeps coming in that steady, unrelenting approach with which He loves every one of us. Do you hear verse 4? I led them with cords of human kindness, with bands of love. God takes soft cloth, made out of diapers or clothing, and He gently tugs and draws us to Himself. And then the verse goes on and says, I picked them up like a parent picks up a child, and I held them to my cheek so that they could feel my love. And He says, I gently stooped down to nurture them and to feed them, to give them everything that they need. Those are images of love and images of persistent care. The love is deep, but it's not cheap. Because Hosea goes on to describe the dilemma that God feels, because if you're going to love so, so purely, if you're going to love so unconditionally, you're going to get your heart stopped, stomped on. If you're going to love so unconditionally and so stubbornly, you are going to be hurt. And God's love is a stubborn love, but it's also a love that suffers. Because if you love that much, you're going to suffer. And that's the story of the cross. That's the Lord's Supper experience that, this morning. That's the story of Jesus dying for us. If you listen to verse 8, you, you hear the inner dilemma of God. How can I give you up, Ephraim? How can I hand you over, Israel? My compassion grows warm and tender. I will not execute my fierce anger. I will not destroy Ephraim. There is this inner conflict within God's self where God is agonizing and, and struggling with the whole issue of justice and what is deserved and yet what He is willing to do. And love wins out. And He says, I will not destroy you. I will not live in wrath. I draw you with cords of love. But to do that, it cost God so much. It cost God His Son. It cost God everything to love us in that way. And many centuries later, after the Jewish prophet Hosea had spoken his words, another Jewish man came along whose name was Saul, and he also was pursued by a relentless God. God overwhelmed him and loved him, 
And Saul became Paul the Apostle, and Paul penned these words. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not insist on its own way. Love bears all things. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things. Love endures all things. Love never ends. Because God is love. And God loves you this morning more than you know. No matter who you are or what you're into or what you're struggling with, God has never stopped loving you. And God never will. This is the God whose love will not stop.